Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is February 24th. I am David Gasper, joined by co-host Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Spring training has kicked off, and a lot of brewers' news uh, we will have to discuss this week, including some Best Shape of My Life updates, uh, some Jackie Bradley Jr. rumors, and spring position battles, as well as a whole lot more. Uh, joining us for this discussion on this week's podcast is J.R. Radcliffe, a sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. J.R., thank you so much for joining us, man. How you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's it's Wednesday. Uh, you know, I had some wings for dinner because that, that's what you do when it's Excellent. Wednesday. Points East um, Pub, by chance? Downtown Milwaukee? East Side? Uh, no, uh, not quite. Uh, <laughs> New, New Berlin Alehouse side, actually. Very good. So, I, I have had their wings. Those wings are not bad. They are super, super underrated, those wings. Yeah, they, they are. They're, you know, they, they may not be like the best wings ever, but they're they're pretty good. Um, and of course, you got to have a, a beer with it. Um, yeah. Usually I mean, it's ma- mainly you if you're bowling at the New Berlin Ale House. They're, they're right. Because you've had a couple beers, you're bowling. It's the the environment there is very cool, which RIP to bar environments. But uh, but yes. <laughs> I, I do enjoy I do enjoy my time there in the in the times I've gone back in the day. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, um, for sure. And always got to have a couple beers to enjoy. And you know, what, like when I was there, I had you know my typical Miller Lite. But you know, Matt knows that pretty much every single time that um, we've done this, I've had my Miller my handy dandy Miller Lite with me. But I'm going in a different route today. I, oh. I got some different beer. It is. Charlie Barron's would be happy. The Keeper Moving hey. Light Lager. So that, I, I've got that to, to go through today. Matt, what do you got? Nice. That is a solid one. I think I've had that on this podcast before, to be honest. Um, yeah. My choice, is, we're going Lakefront Brewery, Maybach. Goods, always at Maybach is a sign of the spring. And I was out walking the dog with no coat, sweatshirts. Oh, wow. oh it, was, it was delightful today. So... Like it's coming, guys. Spring's yeah, pre- coming, baseball's coming, everything. Pretty soon we can break into the summer shandy. That's absolutely. Uh, Jr., I, I know you don't have one uh, right now, but what would be your go-to beer if you had one right now? If I could pick, if I could pick a beer, it would probably be something Belgian from uh, Cafe Hollander, big Belgian beer guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the one I had last week in fact i'm looking at the menu right now i don't remember it was it had, it had quite it was a fruity thing had a little fruit in it and tasted phenomenal uh i don't remember what it is but you know what any belgian beer especially those served at cafe hollander that's uh that that's my scene right there for sure can't go wrong one of the first ones i ever had from them was that the what what's it's like called the quack or something yeah Get silly the one that comes in like the wooden holder uh I tried taking it out of the holder. You're not supposed to take it out of the holder. You leave it in there while you drink. It was uh, just a weird situation, but it was a delicious, delicious beer and a little strong. Yep. I'm a big fan. Their entire menu works for me. Big, big fan. For sure. So uh, a lot of stuff to discuss this week. A lot of things going on um, with the brewers and really kind of one of the biggest and more surprising things was the report from friend of the podcast, Robert Murray, that the Brewers are in the mix for Jackie Bradley Jr., former Red Sox center fielder, uh, one of the best defenders in the game. But the Brewers have Lorenzo Cain currently under contract for the next two years, and I think he's got 
$35 million um, still left to be paid out on his contract. So, Jr., when you saw the report about Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, what was going through your, your head? Was it more just like, you know, why and, and, and <laughs> how would this even work if they were to do this? I, I, I mean, I'd like to tell you that that is what I thought, but this is just what they do now. I mean, it goes back to a couple of years ago when they brought in Mike Moustakis, even though they had a perfectly fine everyday third baseman in Travis Shaw. Last year, they had four capable starting outfielders for three outfield spots. Uh, they made that work. They moved Ryan Braun around a little bit. Of course, the DH helped quite a bit there, but but this is just what they do. They they do not concern themselves, it seems, under David Stearns with uh you know with with positional certainty. And I don't know if that means <laughs> I don't know if that means they're gonna try to get Jackie Bradley Jr. to play a little third base or uh, or you know <laughs> stick him in a corner outfield spot. Probably a little bit more realistic on that front. But um I think you look at a guy like Lorenzo Cain. He, he missed the vast majority of 2020. He's in, you know, on the, on, I don't want to say the downside of his career, but you know, this is the the, the final years of Lorenzo Cain. He's in his 30s, and you got to figure that a guy who's had some injury history, he's not, he's not going to play. He's, you know, he's not going to start 150 games. So you're gonna, you're gonna need some, you're gonna need somebody reliable to take that spot in center field. They tried it last year without a plan B. I mean, I guess Ben Gamble is, he's a credible center fielder, but. You watch Avisel Garcia out there, and it's it's not great. It's it's a little it's a little uh, little. It's frustrating at times. So uh, so obviously having somebody who could do that would be would be awesome. Um, you know, it could foretell another move. There was some rumbling today about the Padres, you know, being being in the mix for another big move. Some whispers that Josh Hader is part of that, and uh, maybe maybe that uh, maybe an outfielder like Lorenzo Cain is in that deal too. If the Brewers are interested in shedding some of their bigger contracts, I, I don't know. That's pure pure speculation. But uh, but they have made this work. No matter what, it seems like life finds a way in baseball. The Brewers haven't had really. Uh, a starting caliber player sitting on the bench the majority of games they've they've always really gotten their best players the players who are performing uh into into the starting lineup so i'm not worried about it being a a log jam or anything this is just this is what the brewers do and it's non-traditional and it's how they how they manage to stay ahead of the curve by by not focusing on something like getting boxed in on positions yeah i mean we've been dealing with this uh since 2018 now haven't we with Yelly and Kane coming when we already had Braun and Domingo Santana and that everyone's reaction at the time was oh Yelich that's awesome but now that everything's done we've got so many outfielders and that ended up working out well for us um it definitely shows again that we have more of that focus or that Stearns has more of that focus this year on the up the middle defense and I felt like you know almost you know, went away from that a little bit um and doing things like bringing on you know experimenting with people at second who normally played third and bringing on, you know, scope who wasn't as good a defender and uh, focusing the catcher catching situation towards a player like Narvaez, who they thought had potential, but so far hadn't really put up much of a defensive presence in his MLB career. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. Absolutely one of the more talented center fields along with Kane. If it's, a matter of a, you know, if it were to be a matter of a, let's just go with four outfielders and let's make it work. Yep. That's a familiar tune to all of us. Um, if it is precluding some sort of potential move, like you referenced, you know, a potential Padres move, something else they might have in the works. Stearns always has some sort of potential trade up his sleeve. Um, you are getting younger at the position if it were to be Kane. Um, 
it doesn't have to be that that's the move, but, uh, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons it makes sense. His offensive stats don't necessarily jump off the page at you. They're absolutely admirable enough. Um, but defensively, it makes all the sense in the world just for starters. Yeah, and I mean, when it comes to Jackie Bradley Jr., I mean, there's no denying he's one of the best defensive outfielders uh, in the game. He ranked in the 99th percentile uh, per baseball savant and outs above average. So yeah, he's a very capable guy out there. But with the contract he'd get, I mean, that he'd probably be 10 plus million dollars a season. And like, yeah, you'd you'd like a starting caliber fourth outfielder, but would it really be worth paying that much to get Jackie Bradley Jr., who most of his value is defensively? You know, offensively, he's had, you know, a couple of good seasons. 2016 had some good numbers in 2018 and a shortened season in, in 2020. He had some good numbers, but, you know, just kind of in general, he hits for a low average. Um, he's got, you know, fairly high strikeout rate. Um, You know, he also walks a decent amount. And as you mentioned, he's a bit younger, but, you know, offensively, he's not that much of an upgrade over Kane, pretty similar when it comes to OPS and OPS plus, you know, a few more doubles and homers, but um, it, it really doesn't seem like, you know, that much of uh, an improvement over Kane. You know, it's more just kind of a, a replacement, I think. But then, yeah, like it's paying that much money for if you don't get rid of Kane it, for a fourth outfielder. I, I don't think Bradley would sign unless um Kane or Garcia were on the move and there would be a, a starting job open I, I don't think he'd accept a, a part-time platoon oh we'll figure out a way to make it work thing I, I think he's going to want more of a a guarantee and, and if you're looking for a starting caliber fourth outfielder you could you could look at someone cheaper like Yasiel Puig to fill that role yeah and I, I I even I mean I kind of thought something similar back in the example Matt gave when when they signed when they brought in Lorenzo Kane. Domingo Santana was there. He was younger. Uh, I thought, I, I did, obviously, I didn't think he was a better defensive guy. That was that would have been silly. But I thought offensively <laughs> that that made it that made it at least questionable why they would pay that much money for a guy like Lorenzo Cain when you had somebody who was younger, still up and coming a little bit, didn't really know where that was, you know, what his ceiling was at the time. Obviously, it looks very smart in retrospect. It, it looks very stupid to have even questioned it uh, in retrospect as as I did at the time. I, I don't. Uh, I, I agree with you that the the money will probably have a lot to do with this. You know, there's so many capable guys, name guys on the market right now and guys who are whose price tags are, are just falling as teams report to camp. And uh, it's not necessarily a good thing for the game of baseball, but it does mean that there are going to be guys out there available for one year cheap deals, you know, just a few million. So that's that's obviously the key here here with with a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. That a guy, even though he hasn't really been great offensively the last few years he's still probably good enough where he's he's he was he's waiting for a number you know like he's he's out there because he has a number in mind it just it just matters you know it's like michael franco it just sort of matters when they get to a point that he real that 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 number isn't showing up then he's going to sign with the team and you know who knows who knows that the brewers are where that lands i'd be skeptical of it i i i really don't think he's going to wind up in a milwaukee uniform but uh but you know, like like us like we said before, don't count it out. The way they work, there's there's no telling really. Yeah, it's hard to say whether that's actually going to happen, especially since um, I think we had seen the other day uh, there was a report from JD Martinez um, had spoken to someone and said that he had been in touch with uh, Bradley Jr. and said that 
he's got a few offers out on the table from teams. He's just waiting for that team to, you know, quote unquote, step up to the plate for lack of a better non-baseball pun. Um, <laughs> so, you know, is that going to be the Brewers? Is that usually the way the Brewers operate? Doubtful. So, you know, I would, I would have much rather uh, we've been the team to step up to the plate with a player like Justin Turner than Jackie Bradley Jr., so, yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you, JR. Like, it's, at this point, it's seeming, you know, less likely that it's going to happen. But, I mean, you never know. Been surprised before. Worth surprised by Colton Wong a couple weeks ago, so I'm not yeah. counting anything out. Yeah. And, and really, for all these guys, when it was, you know, Turner, when it was Colton Wong, when it's um, now Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, it, it's the, the Brewers have – money available that, that they're willing to push out for these guys to really make an impact on the big league roster and coming off a season with no fans and very little revenue. You look at Twitter and most of the fan base is ready to tell Mark Antonazio to sell the team and that he's, you know, too cheap and crying poor. And, you know, we've had, you know, arguments with people about that before, but, you know, really with, with the comments that, uh, Mark Adnazio gave this week when he was giving his address to the players at spring training and talking to the media down there um, w- with what he was saying, he really wasn't using the poor financial season as, as a crutch or, or anything. He, he, he wasn't crying poor. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people were kind of expecting, but Adnazio said, I uh, got, got the quote here um, about the feelings of the pandemic said, we felt it for sure, but, I think it didn't really affect us in how I've looked at things. So Anasio saying that, you know, not not having fans last season, it, it didn't really affect them in, in, you know, crying poor, not being able to go after guys like Turner or or Wong or Bradley. And, you know, they didn't get Turner and, you know, we'll see on Bradley, but they're, they're still out there willing to spend that money to improve the team. Yeah, the financial stuff is always is always tricky, right? You you never really know what 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 resources an owner has, or you know they'll they'll certainly tell you that there are fewer than there probably are. So that's that's always something to be careful of. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I I think sometimes when these things come up, it's it's sort of underrated how much it isn't so much about being cheap as much as it is finding the best value. And, you know, you, you guys saw the Pocota rankings and the zips projections. I mean, the Brewers right now on paper are a team that's contending for the national league central title. And that might, that's an indictment of the central more than it is necessarily mm-hmm. a sign that the Brewers are a great team. But, but when you're in that position, you don't, you know that you don't have to go way, way overboard to, to add another piece, you know, and their lineup is, it's not it's not full of superstars, but it also doesn't have many black holes outside of, you know, third base is that one spot that you think they definitely could upgrade. But really, they're kind of they kind of have somebody that you can really rely on as an MLB starter everywhere else. It's not it's it's much better, I think, than last year where it felt like it, there was platoons all over the place. Granted, some of a lot of those guys are still here, but uh, but you'd expect some of them to have much better seasons. Uh I think that they just do a lot of in-house, you know, sc- scouting, analyzing, whatever, you know, analytics, if you want to call it that. They have a good sense of where they stand right now, and and I think they probably think they're in good shape, and, and thus they're not going to really go way out of their way to overspend. They feel like they're in a position now where they can, you know, they can they can compete with what they have. You know, as Brewers fans, everybody's going to want them to spend more because you're not just competing with the NL Central. You're competing with every team out there if, if you know, if you want to 
make a deep run in the playoffs or whatever. And, and, you know, <laughs> just, just saying you're neck and neck with St. Louis, it's, you know, it's not necessarily comforting for a Brewer fan to hear that when they, when they want to see a team that, you know, that can, that can win this division somewhat convincingly, but, uh, but you know, that, that probably has a lot more to do with it than we think. Um, I still think it wouldn't hurt them to go out and find, you know, find an upgrade, maybe one more upgrade to their offense. It just doesn't look like it's going to be at third base because there's there's really no one to just to just get face value right now, unless there's some trade we're not thinking about. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's hard not to at least understand a little bit to those who at, at first thought think that the brewers are you know being cheaper or something like that when we saw what they spent in the 2018 and the 2019 seasons and then they go into like 2020 with this lower payroll um that combined with the fact that like right before that adenazio there was that report that um the brewers reported that they were in the red or something like that and everyone took that and ran with it and so like I, i get where people like think that at first it doesn't make me think that Adonazio is just cheap, though, because obviously, like, he is willing to put his money uh, into the team when we need to. So, like, I guess all I'm trying to say is, like, at first glance, I can understand, like, why that's an initial thought. But all it takes is just a little bit of thinking back to, you know, what Adonazio has the potential to do and what he has been willing to do in the past be like, no, obviously that's not the case. They went in a different direction last year. They tried to find value in different ways from players. It didn't work, and Stearns admitted that it didn't work. Now you've seen them, you know, throwing the money at players or attempting to throw money at players, you know, like a Turner, like a Wong, although they did actually structure that to work out really financially well for the team. And so, yes, of course they're willing to spend the money if they think it's going to make them competitive, and then now you're starting to see that with the rumors about players like Bradley Jr. and Turner and, you know, a number of Ozuna we were even linked to at one point. Um, they're willing to do it. Yes, we stepped back in peril for a year, but um, it's there's so much recency bias that all of a sudden you see that one year and it's all oh, the Brewers are cheap now. Well, no, of course they're not. Come on, guys. Yeah. Twitter being reactionary to something that happened. That's. So that's unheard of, mm. you know, you never see that. No. Uh, yeah. But no, no, I think you're right on there, Matt. Like it's, you know, Anazio is a very competitive person. You know, he'll, he'll always be willing to spend the money. Um, if he thinks that the, the team can win or they can help him win. And, you know, he was willing to talk a lot about their attempts at, at Justin Turner. He mentioned that, um, in negotiations, Justin Turner was calling David Stearns Sternsy, <laughs> giving him a little nickname. And he's like, no one's ever called him Sternsy before. And I'm like, okay, well, a lot of us in, in the media and on Twitter have called him Sternsy. But <laughs> um, yeah, like a player never called him that before. Like he uh, was talking to Trevor Hoffman and Mark Kotze. And like he was like talking to these like former brewers to kind of get like an understanding of the organization. And I'm a little surprised he didn't mention Christian Yelich and, and Ryan Braun and Mike Moustakis because, you know, they all played together at the California Strong softball game. Those guys all kind of know each other. I'm wondering if, like, did Christian Yelich, like, help in the recruitment process? You would have think you would think that he would have, but I, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I most players know each other to some degree. They've run into each oh, yeah. other. It, it's a small against. fraternity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, I'm sure I, I'm sure there's there's always lobbying. Yeah, and and now that Yelch is going to be here for the next you know decade or whatever it is, eight years, he's uh he's yeah. going to be probably doing more lobbying than he would otherwise. It's a pretty sweet situation with that he's got. And he'll still be what? Uh, or Tatis will be halfway through his contract by the time <laughs> Yelich just runs out. I know we we all were calculating how old we're going to be when Fernando Tatis's, you know, contract runs out, or at least I was, I was like, man, I'm going to be elderly when that thing's over. Yeah, Yeah, I did that too. It's not, it's not pretty. I I think even the best part about all that is at the same time, Bobby Bonilla is still going to be getting paid by the Mets. So. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, although pretty much every team now has some deferred money story there. They're, everybody's just lucky that the Benia story is the one everyone knows from the, you know, defe- deferred money Olympics because, uh, <laughs> I, I the, you know, the Brewers too, everybody's going to be paying somebody long past their expiration date. Yeah. I, I think Yelich has a bunch of deferred money as well, but yeah, the, I think, I mean, when it comes to guys like, you know, Yelich and that's like, okay, these are good players and yeah, you want to push some of that money back because you're owing them a lot. Bobby Benia wasn't, that great of a player and he didn't have that much money on his contract and yet they still deferred it and he's getting a million plus dollars every year for 25 years and it's just it it just it's the Mets it's just so perfectly Mets um when was Bobby Benia's last year are like are there I think it's 2035 (laughs) when was his last year in baseball oh I I think it was like 2002 maybe Oh my gosh! So there are like full-fledged high school kids that have never seen Bobby Bonilla play baseball, and they just hear his name every. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was a Cardinal to finish. I didn't even realize that. Wow. I did not either. That's one of those uh, athletes who wear jersey at the end of the year, end of their career that everyone forgets. This is this is a trip actually. After the Mets was uh, Marlins, Dodgers. Back to the Mets, Braves, which I don't remember either, and then Cardinals. He was all over the place. And I mean, he played 114 games with Atlanta. Man, I don't, I don't remember yeah. that at all. No, <laughs> what a time! All. Late 90s, early 2000s. What a time! <laughs> oh yeah. We were all trying to forget about what the Brewers teams looked like at that point. So I'm surprised we didn't pick up on some other <laughs> goings on across the league. Uh, Hell, I didn't certain... even have object permanence at that point. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> you guys are babies. Well, you didn't miss anything on the Brewers front. You got Jeff Cirillo and a and a bunch of pitchers that nobody could name today. So. Oh yeah. Not the, a bad error to miss. The first year I remember was 2002, and I try to forget it every chance I get. <laughs> I, I've been I've been told that I that at five years old I was out managing Jerry Royster that year. <laughs> <laughs> the, it could be it could be Davy Lopes before him. Yeah, that was that was not a good time. 2002. I remember that one very vividly for some reason. Uh, that's the year. Really, I was just fi- we we're just following minor leaguers at that point. You know, the the yeah. the Nick Nugabowers of the world. Oh, absolutely. Man, this absolutely. is a third reference of Nick Nugabauer. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was such a big deal when he was a, finally made his major league debut. It was such a short lived success situation. But, you know, they, they get Ben Sheets right away. I think that's 
is that 99 or 98? 99, I think. Uh, yeah. I remember being a huge Mike Jones guy. He's their first round draft pick in 2001. Uh, I think that's the same year they got J.J. Hardy. So they got something out of it. But I remember thinking this high school pitcher out of Arizona, Mike Jones, is going to be the future man. And David Krinzel's the first round pick in 2000. I mean, I was following these guys every night, triple A, single A, whatever. Uh, I was, you know, just 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 looking for any glint of, of sunlight on the horizon because you'd watch the big league team and, you know, at least Miller Park was newish at the time. So you could go to a game and still feel like you were seeing something. But, you know, Jamie Wright taking a no hitter into like the sixth was, I think, the highlight of the season. It was it was not a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. We still I, had Jeremy Burnett's hanging around at that point. So we had a little bit of some Jeff Jenkins was still on the team. So there were a couple Richie little highlights Sexton. there, but. Oh yeah, Jose yeah. K, Jose Hernandez. I mean, that guy yeah. was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. That guy was amazing in 2002. Like the Brewers were a dead last place team, but they still had two All Stars. They still had Richie Sexton and Jose Hernandez, and it was undeniable that those two guys should be on the All Star team, despite how bad the team was. So that tells you a little bit about the rest of the offense. If they had two mm-hmm. like no doubt All Stars in the middle of that lineup, and they still, I mean, they had no pitching. It was it it it, it was ugly. Yeah. Rough times indeed, but then we got uh, positivity as, you know, they drafted Prince Fielder that summer in 2002, uh, then they drafted Ricky Weeks, and they drafted uh, Ryan Braun a couple years later, and then yay, happy times. Um, <laughs> it got better. Yeah. So, and, you know, remembering back to that, like, 2002 season around that time, Miller Park was probably about... 35% full. There was probably maybe, you know, 15, 20,000 fans a game. And that's looking like the capacity that the Brewers are going to try to have to start this season, 2021. Um, the, the Brewers filed with them with Milwaukee County to try and get 35% capacity to open up. So about 15,000 ish fans in the stands. Um, and th- they're going to have a meeting on Friday uh, going on a walkthrough with Milwaukee County officials and, you know, this is it seems like a pretty ambitious number um, at 35 percent. I've only seen a few other stadiums that, that have been at that percentage of capacity opening up. I think the Bucks were at like 10 percent, uh, but they were enclosed. They're indoors, a little smaller venue. Uh, JR, what, what do you think about the attempt to go for 35 percent capacity at, for opening day? Yeah, I think that makes sense because the Bucks are going to try to get to 25% here in the next few weeks. And the Brewers, you know, we, we've got we've got a month and a half before things get going. The, the COVID numbers are going in the right direction across the country, definitely in the state of Wisconsin. There have been a lot of encouraging things. Uh, you know, the new vaccine should be, you know, should should be, you know, offloaded onto trucks here by the end of the week. So there's there's a lot of promise right now. I think the city of Milwaukee, it's it's possible they come back and say, look, we just can't do 35 yet. We'll, we'll say 25 because that's kind of the benchmark they've been working with. So I could see them saying that to start with, with the possibility to review it. But it um, doesn't hurt to ask. doesn't hurt to have a plan for it. I mean, remember, this is a venue that, you know, 40, 40, 43,000 seats or whatever. Like there's there's room, you know, there's room to make this work. And uh, like you said, not enclosed could could be for some cold, you know, dome free games. If that ends up being how they want to do it, I, I don't know if that would even be necessary. But uh, but it, it, it's it's we're headed we're headed in in a good direction. They should be asking for you know 35 percent with with an eye on increasing it over the course of the season. And 
every little bit helps. I mean, if you can get that many people into a, into a, into a game, it's going to sound like a real crowd on the radio. It's going to sound like a real crowd on TV. It's going to feel really good. You know, these players want something. Uh, it's so hard to, it's last year was so weird and everybody talked about it and how frustrated they were with it. And it's, it's any, any little bit helps. So, uh, I'm actually optimistic that they're going to be able to pull off this 35% uh, with, with an eye toward increasing it as the season goes on. I mean, how it would be awesome if by September you're talking about a full a full stadium. That, to me, sounds ambitious. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But uh, but any, any semblance of that will be awfully nice. Yeah, I think it's really encouraging that they're even considering this, uh, especially considering the fact that at one point, you know, Major League Baseball was considering not starting until Memorial Day. Um, definitely it seemed at one point like they were going to potentially start the season without fans in the stands. So the fact that, you know, cases are, like you said, trending the way that they're going, state of Wisconsin in particular, um, is reported to be one of the best, uh, states in terms of how many people they vaccinated per capita, I think is what they were, um, measuring it by. So I'm sure that helps. And while 35% does definitely seem ambitious um they if i remember correctly submitted a 350 page proposal um Mm -hmm. going over exactly how they think they can get this done so they clearly it's time for another baseball pun have their bases covered with this one supposedly (laughs) um and you know who knows maybe there is a chance that they're able to do this i know it'll be just music to the fans ears music to the players ears um we all want this and it would be just another sign that things are at least somewhat coming a little bit back to normal. Yeah. And, and just to kind of further expand on what JR was saying, you know, cause even if they have to have like the roof open um, in order to have the kind of, you know, open air uh, thing to, to go at 35% capacity and it may be a little bit cold. I don't think anyone will care. I will bring jacket. I'll bring a hand, I'll bring hand warmers. I'll bring whatever I'll bring thermals anything out to, to just stay warm. If I can just be there at a game, seeing it, it's just going to be, it's going to be so incredible. And, and actually I'm, I'm not going to be able to wait until opening day. So um, I'm actually going to be heading down to Arizona to spring training and in the middle of March here, whole fam's going on a trip. So we will be at the, uh, we'll be at Maryvale at American family fields of Phoenix for a couple of games down there in mid March and I am just so excited that we got tickets. I was a little bit late to getting tickets to the game on the road against the Angels, and those sold out within like two hours, and I was very upset. But yeah, so we're going to be going to three games down there, and it's going to be awesome. Real live Brewers baseball. Who'd have thought? I know. Yeah, good good for you. Those are hard to come by. But uh, speaking of late '90s, early 2000s Brewers baseball, imagining what it's going to be like in April when the roof is open and the uh, panels are open and we're all freezing and it's <laughs> snow is snow is fluttering in the air. Ooh, that's going to be that's going to be brutal. But uh, and and probably if you go to those Arizona games and come back to a Milwaukee game, it's going to be a little bit of a <laughs> shock. But but uh, still worth it to be able to yeah. see baseball for sure. They're like yeah, this reminds me of County Stadium. <laughs> Uh, yes. A lot of people still call it County Stadium. Well, it's not Miller Park anymore, so they might as well uh, they might as well go backward if they don't want to go forward. Uh, it's going to take me a while to get used to that, but you know, also like with the way like we normally like park like kind of like on on the backside and walk in through like the left field entrance. So like I normally never see the sign out front. So 
you know, for me, it's just kind of, you know, oh, I don't even, I don't even notice. Yep, walking through the VA area, the little path to uh, to get to the stadium. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's definitely our go-to move as well. Yeah, can't go wrong. Um, but yeah, so you know they they should be able to have you know something open, um, some sort of capacity, whether it's thirty-five percent, twenty-five percent, whatever it is. Um, they'll have that walkthrough on Friday, um, so that should be good. Um, so now kind of heading down to the warm areas down in Arizona. Uh, we got a couple best shape of my life updates, which is, you know, pretty typical spring training. But we had a friend of the podcast, Josh Lindblom, on a couple of weeks ago. He said he wasn't quite in the best shape of his life, but in fighting shape. Uh, and then other friend of the podcast, Aaron Ashby, also said he wasn't quite in the best shape of his life. Um, that was back in college for him, which I think it was for uh, pretty much all of us. Um JR, are you entering this spring in the best shape of your life, by the Absolutely way? Absolutely not. Not even remotely. Pandemic <laughs> hey. pandemic body, the biggest shape of my life is more like it. It has been bad. <laughs> it has been bad. There is so much food in my house. I don't even know where it comes from. Uh so yeah, no. No, this is definitely not my year to be uh to be a BSO how's it? B S M O M B S O M L. B S O M L guy. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, it's not working for me, but, uh, Christian Yelich, did you see is going to be, yeah. uh, is one of the candidates here and, uh, that he's beefed up a little bit. And obviously, obviously everybody's hoping for a bounce back here from, from what we saw last year. So, uh, so that is a welcome sign, you know, obviously like everyone else, I sort of ignore those. Uh, but, uh, but if the best player on the team comes in in the best shape of his life, okay, I, I, yeah. that's fine with me. That sounds great, man. Good luck to opposing pitchers pitching to Yelich with more muscle. I mean, he was already just fine in exit velocity and hard hit last year, uh, despite his struggles. Can you imagine him hitting the ball harder? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Tell those yeah. infielders to watch out. Yeah, no kidding. They're going to lose an eye. And but you yeah, know, the, I mean, the first struggle he has, it's going to be, it's going to be like a tiger, not to, not to bring up Tiger Woods right now, but just the, <laughs> oh, he worked out too much. He, he ruined what he had. He like adjusted uh-huh. his body. You know, that's coming from people. You just, you just wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I was listening to, um, the, the Wendy's big show on, on 1250, the fan today. And, and they brought that up. Um, and I think it was Leroy or Gary or whatever was there just like, Oh no, like, you know, you have too much muscle. It, it ends up turning into a problem. And yeah, it was, it, it was already on the, on the way, but yeah, man, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as soon as, as soon as you read the news, it's like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah. But I mean, with Yelich, I mean, he was a pretty lean, he had a pretty lean frame, you know, like despite hitting 40 plus homers in a season, he didn't appear like your typical power hitter. He seemed like, you know, pretty lean guy, just much taller. Um, so, so spread out a bit more, but yeah, adding a little bit more muscle. I mean, I, he could probably hit 50 homers in a full season at, at least. So interesting for him. And then another guy, uh, best shape of his life candidate, Avisail Garcia. He's dropped 30 pounds apparently. And there was a picture of him the other day. His pants don't fit. Like there was so there was so much like baggy extra like in in the back. Like his butt was just like gone. Like the the the, the thighs just shrunk down. There was so much extra room. It's like he still had last year's pants. 
Well, he would it would definitely benefit them if he if he figures something out, whether he's in the best shape of his life or not. If his swing comes back, that's going to be that's crucial. He and Omar Narvaez, those are those are the two spots where they're going to have to improve. I saw Tyrone Taylor as well going the other direction. He gained a bunch of weight to mm. uh, to be in the best shape of his life, which uh, which props to him. If you can be someone who can gain weight to be in the best shape of your life, thank God you are <laughs> living the dream. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Yeah, I was I was a runner in high school, so at one point I was was in that uh category unfortunately i overshot the mark by a little bit so now best shape of my life would be going back in the other direction yeah i i I'd still i don't know for me like it, it was weird because i could just never get like you know th- like i always needed to like gain weight into the um for in the best shape of my life because i'm just you know very just tall you know lean frame um but yeah like it it certainly um very tough to do. I have tried. It is tough, um, for sure. Um, but I mean, with uh, with Garcia, I mean, he was uh, listed at 250 pounds last year, and he was running around in center field for the entire season. And that's a that's a lot of weight to be carrying around running in center. So you know, if he drops down to 220 here, you know, even though he's probably going to be back into a corner into the corner spot, you know, if something happens to Kane, Garcia might be better suited to be the backup out there in center field if something happens to him and can fulfill that everyday role if he's down to 220 pounds and six foot four instead of 250 pounds so because i think last year you know his bat not being what it was expected to be it was also kind of in part due to having to play center field running around a bit more you know carrying around that much and um, more wear and tear on his body than he was expecting or that than he was built for. Uh, and I think that might've had a negative impact on him offensively too. Hey, you're probably right. And, and if, uh, you know, if they decide he's better off in a corner, well, it will certainly start in a corner. Maybe, maybe Taylor is the other guy who could play center field. I, I know some of the guys they brought in, you know, Billy McKinney, maybe, I don't know. Who, I don't even know who makes this team as a, uh, as the fourth and fifth outfielders out of camp. I mean, I guess Taylor is, is the guy there, but uh, yeah, they, they got Taylor, they got McKinney, they got Derek Fisher. Um, yeah. They also got Corey Ray as a backup and Tim Lopes. So they got a lot of <laughs> yes. options and, and none are too inspiring, but they've got options. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it sure would be nice to see the DH. I mean, I, I think we all still assume that's going to happen, but that would that would benefit Garcia. I think that's a guy who, you know, I, I know I know Vogelbach is the obvious de- designated hitter candidate, you know, especially against right handers. But but it would be nice to get Garcia and, and everybody, you know, a, a chance to not have to play in the field on a somewhat regular basis. I'd love to see what uh, um, Garcia's sprint speed looks like with 30 less pounds, because I was. I he's not slow here. No. no, he's not. He uh, he's a fast guy. And I was surprised to hear how speedy he was and then see him for the first time. And like, oh, he's got he's he's built like he's fast for how well he's built. And so to shed some pounds, I, I have to imagine he'd be even speedier these days. You love to see it. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you got guys in the best shape of their lives. <laughs> also, just kind of a side note. um. From Omar Narvaez, apparently Corbin Burns has improved his changeup and his curveball. So I think we can confirm a Corbin Burns uh, Cy Young award here uh, in 2021. (laughs) 
I am. I have been on this hype train from the beginning. Um, I, I have it in my uh, in my Twitter bio now. Corbin Burns, Cy Young hype train leader. Uh, so I, I think it's possible. I mean, if he improves with the changeup and the curveball on top of his sinker and cutter, man, he's unstoppable. Yeah, I think I, I really want to believe that 2020 was real for uh, for Corbin Burns, but I think. You know, if you accept the possibility that or, or or hope for the possibility that that wasn't the real Omar Narvaez, the real Avisail Garcia, the real Christian Yelich, you know, you kind of have to take the, the good and look at it that way, too. And uh, I, I, I think Devin Williams being a relief pitcher, we can gauge that that's probably a little more real. But I, I'd love to know what Corbin Burns would have done for the full season, certainly adding to the repertoire sort of possibly helps offset any any backsliding he does, because now he's got another another pitch or two that he can go to, you know, if it, if it becomes refined enough that he's comfortable using it on a full-time basis. Obviously, yeah, like there's a lot of hype, a lot of people who are jumping on that Corbin Burns hype train, and and why not? I mean, the guy, you, if, if he doesn't have a, a rough final start, if he doesn't get, tweak, you know, hurt there at the end of the year, he's he's talked, he gets a lot, he gets Cy Young votes, you know, like he's a yeah. guy who's in that final conversation crazy enough. So, uh... ERA title. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think he finished sixth in the uh, Cy Young voting. So, yeah, he yeah. could have gotten some more if he had a strong final start there because he was one out shy of qualifying for, the, for um, the, the leaderboards. And because he wasn't on there, voters may have had to do a little bit more digging to to find him. So it really kind of hurt him there. But yeah. It's stupid but, yeah. to talk about one game being the difference, but that's just what we were left with in 2020. So. Uh, so yeah, you're right. And one more out and you know, you know, he gets more votes, you know, for sure that he gets more votes. I don't know if he wins it, but he's, he's, he's maybe top oh, no. three. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the season Trevor Bauer put up, I don't think anyone was going to be able to catch him the way he was really kind of going there towards the end. Um, but yeah, so Burns has really kind of established himself atop the rotation along with Brandon Woodruff. Um, and, and there's going to be kind of a, a little bit of a rotation battle, um, kind of down, uh, toward, towards the end of the rotation. you got Josh Lindblom, who's also going to be in the rotation. Brett Anderson signed back to the rotation. And then for the fifth starter spot, you've got a, a couple of different options. You've got Adrian Hauser, uh, who's probably the favorite at this point. you got Eric Lauer. And you also have Freddie Peralta. Craig Council said today that Freddie Peralta will be stretched out uh, as a starter. Um, so that they're going to be looking at him there. And this is going to be the third year in a row now that that they're trying out uh, Freddie Peralta for the starting rotation on opening day. And he's gotten the spots each of the last two years. And each of the last two years, uh, he didn't stick around in the rotation. Um, could this be the year for Peralta? Um, or, or is someone like Hauser or Lauer uh, more likely to get, to get the spots, JR? I, I mean, I, I think the, the Peralta plan, this seems to be what they do. You know, they stretch him out better for better or worse he's going to get starts he'll probably get starts just because he'll probably get starts because somebody gets hurt along the way so uh he's it's good to have sort of that swingman is probably too pejorative for what he is he's just he's just a you know a multi-talented pitcher really and uh and that's kind of how they they use their bullpen you know brent Suter in the past has been used in kind of a multi-inning relief capacity slash starter and uh and and the brewers have made a lot of hay that way so so they just they just don't think of it in terms of 
we got five dudes who are in the rotation. It's it's never like that. It's always, you know, they've got, they got three or four guys that are going to get the ball pretty much every fifth day. But then, you know, a couple other guys who can step up depending on who's hot, who's not. A couple, you know, maybe maybe Brett Anderson's got a blister or just isn't feeling up for, for it. Or, you know, they want to skip a Woodruff start or a Burns start. You know, they've got they've got a guy like Peralta where they can do that. So is it going to be his year? I mean, sure. I, I think. I think every year he's 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 done well, man. I mean, he's he's contributed and it isn't, you know, not every not every outing is pretty. But uh, but overall, he's he's been solid. And, and this this flex role seems to seems to really work for him. So he's he's a, certainly an intriguing weapon. I do not expect that he'll be a full time member of the rotation and, you know, make make 20 starts or anything like that. But uh, but he's 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 quality. He's a great, great reason why this bullpen is so highly regarded. Yeah, I know, Beck, when he signed his uh, five-year extension, uh, that was just last offseason, I believe. It Mm -hmm. seems so long ago at this point. (laughs) That was before Um, COVID, just before COVID. Exactly, yeah. yeah, Only only. Christian Yelich was a week before the shutdown. Yeah, it was incredible. Totally different world. Yeah, Yeah, but uh, back when Peralta signed that, um, they talked about the fact that um, long-term, you know, having him around, the goal was for him to eventually be a starter. This could be, you know, the start of a bridge to that. Um, I think there was some excitement across the fan base last offseason as well when there was, you know, the reports that he was developing that slider that, hey, maybe now he finally has another pitch to go along with that fastball and the curveball. And maybe he has enough of a repertoire where we can we can see him in a starting role sooner rather than later. Well, he only ended up throwing that slider 4.3% of the time last year. So clearly wasn't quite, you know, familiar enough with it or quite um, confident enough in it to um, fully integrate it. I think that needs to happen before, you know, we start thinking of him as this potential, you know, future rotation piece. But I absolutely agree with JR. You know, he's been such a good swing man for them lately and kind of just filling whatever role they need, whether it's coming in high leverage, whether it's coming in long relief and, you know, coming in for a change of pace for when Brent Suter was putting up those starts. Um, it's just been, you know, awesome seeing what he did. And he was one of the, you know, after, you know, Hader and Williams, um, I, I would say, you know, was between Yardley and Peralta, probably who was the next most valuable player out of that bullpen. So you know, we'll see what stretching him out truly means this year. But um, wherever they put him, you know, it's going to be fun to watch one way or another. Yeah. And, and with Peralta, I mean, you know, you mentioned the the slider usage wasn't very high. I mean, he also only had one start last year. He, he was moved to the bullpen after his first start. So, you know, with the role he was in there, he didn't really need a third pitch as much because he wasn't, you know, throwing deep in a game. So, you know, perhaps with another offseason to help refine it, um, sharpen it, and, and sharpen the command. You know, maybe Peralta's ready, and he's got that fully refined three-pitch mix now, and that can help him establish himself in the rotation. Because, you know, also for for Brandon Woodruff and, and Corbin Burns, it took until their third season um, going into the rotation to, or going or third seasons to really kind of establish themselves. Uh, in the rotation you know it took Woodruff a a little bit it took Burns um, you know a a couple of years and established himself until last year really struggled in 2019 Um, so the same thing could be said for Peralta he's still only 24 years old and as you mentioned JR just a super talented pitcher 
you know, a, a guy that's going to throw a, a lot of innings and be in a really important role. Um, and someone that you really just kind of want to make sure that uh, you don't ruin because, you know, with a young, talented arm like him, there's a lot of ways that it could go wrong or a lot of ways that you can mess it up. Um, so it's just kind of a way to make sure you just got to make sure that uh, you keep them healthy and you can get the, the most out of them. So it, it's going to be a really interesting battle to to see what happens there with, with Peralta. And then you got Hauser and Lauer. I mean, Hauser really kind of had a rough season uh, last year. He kind of had his season somewhat similar to Corbin Burns in 2019, although not quite as bad. Um, but uh, Hauser, you know, maybe benefiting from uh, a stint in the pitching lab this offseason if he went there, which I'm sure he did. Uh, Eric Lauer also had a disappointing debut season with the Brewers. So, uh, Jer, what, what are you looking at with, with Hauser and Lauer? Do, do you think um, w- which of those two do you think would be a strong option for uh, the fifth spot in the rotation, at least initially? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Aaron, Adrian Hauser will definitely be in the rotation. And, uh, y- you know, if it, maybe this is the breakout year that the Brewers thought they were gonna get, going to get out of him last year. You know, last year they really thought he was he was going to take that next step and, and become a, a pre- pretty, you know, well above average rotation member. It didn't quite work out for him, but but I still think that that's in there. I think that we could see him take that leap this year, you know, to the point where he's a reliable third option for, for the rotation. Eric Lauer, I, I don't know. To me, he's kind of a wild card. Certainly what we saw last year, you, you nowhere really to go but up. So I think he, I think he'll be better this year and uh, will have potentially a more defined role this year than he did last year. Then again, maybe not. Similar to Peralta, he could be in that sort of flex position where he's starting a little bit, relieving a little bit. Uh, I don't know what his comfort level is with that. Maybe it isn't as good as it is uh, for Freddie Peralta to, uh, to to be that type of pitcher. But um, I, I, I don't know. To me, he's he's a total wild card. We still don't really know what Eric Lauer brings to the table. Same thing for the for the same guy, you know, on offense that came came in that same trade with the Padres, Luis Urias. I don't I don't know what to make of him. I think he's he's interesting. He could be he could be excellent. He could be just a guy. I'm not sure. So. Uh, one of one of the nice things about having this, you know, of a nice full season is uh, we should hopefully learn about some of the, some of the newer guys that they brought in last year. Uh, we, we can really see if it's a if it's a long term situation that they could be a brewer for for the next few years or if they need to move on kind of quickly. Yeah, I think Hauser definitely gets first crack at that spot. Um, last spring training, uh, council committed to him very early in the rotation that when we, you know, we were all as fans talking about rotation battles and who was going to make it. We got this new guy, Lauer, you know, was Freddie Peralta going to make a run? Um, council said at one point, well before the season originally was supposed to start that Hauser's in, he, he will be a starter this year. Um, and he was also uh, for everything that happened last year, allowed the season to continue working through his struggles. It's not like they pulled him, as a starter halfway through the very short year or anything like that. So I think they still like what they have with him and they're going to continue to give him that opportunity to start. And yeah, hopefully we do. Hopefully he's uh, added to the Christian Yelich's and the Omar Narvaez's and the, you know, everyone on the Brewers who we're hoping has that bounce back this year. So yeah, I think it's going to be a, a pretty strong rotation group. And I, I agree. I think Hauser's the favorite uh, right now. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens in spring training and how things will go. Because, 
you know, Eric Lauer was also initially going to be um, in the rotation. Then he got hurt, and then, well, and then the whole season shut down, and then everything just kind of got thrown out of whack, and, and Lauer missed some time. So, you know, a lot can happen. But, Jr. as you mentioned there, you know, Luis Urias, you know, still kind of a wild card with him. You know, he's really kind of in a two battles at the same time almost, it, it seems like. The battle at shortstop and the battle at third base. Um, it, it, it seems like that the Brewers – the Brewers really want to see Luis Urias at shortstop. Um, they traded, they they purposely acquired him to to see what he could do at shortstop to battle with Orlando Arcia. Didn't really get the battle last year because he missed spring training with a broken hamate bone. Then he missed summer camp with with COVID. And I think now we're, we're actually going to see the the battle at shortstop between those two. Council said that Orlando Arcia is going to see some time at third as well as Urias, and they're both going to see some time at short. Uh, so who, who do you feel is going to end up winning the starting shortstop job? Do, do you think Urias is going to out-hit Arcia enough to, to win the job? Do you think Arcia still holds on to it for now, or or how do you see that situation going? I think, I think it's a pretty good vote of confidence for Urias that we have Orlando Arcia sort of taking reps at third base. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. new, so for a guy who's the incumbent has been shortstop for a long time. That's telling me that they really want to make space for Luis Urias. They, they certainly don't think that he's just a bench guy. So, so I, I do think that that's, that sort of speaks to where they are with him. I, I mean, I would expect Orlando RC is out there on opening day, you know, just, uh, just as he has been, uh, he did have a solid 2020. He was one of the few guys who I think didn't underperform relative to his career norms. So that's, uh, that's certainly a feather in his cap. We do know that the Brewers were, I don't want to say ready to move on, but they certainly entertained that reality that he wasn't necessarily penciled in as the shortstop uh, last year. I, I don't know if he was so good in 2020 that that, that plan of attack should change. Uh, I, I think Luis Sirius could, out, could could be good enough offensively to outperform him. I, do, I have a feeling by the end of the year, we will see a lot of Luis Sirius. The, the problem is, you know what we've been told anyway, he doesn't really have the arm for third base. Like he could play there in a pinch, but that doesn't feel like a very comfortable spot for him. So if, if they could get RC at third, that's great. He doesn't have the offensive profile for that. So, you know, that's not going to be their plan a, um, but, but I do think they're going to give Luis Sirius a shot here. He is, he's not, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to make room for him if they can. And it's, if, if he completely bottoms out fine, but, uh, but I think, I think that's the guy you're going to see at the end of the year in that spot. Yeah, I would I would just love to see him get some regular reps in general. Um, you know, he was kind of forced into early action with San Diego, you know, in his age 21 season. Um, you're not necessarily always, you know, expecting a guy, you know, unless they're the top of the top of the top prospects to just come out firing um, like that. And, you know, the most games he played with San Diego was 71 back in 2019. So I, he obviously wasn't a regular at that point. Um, played in two thirds of the games last year. That's a good amount. But um, again, you know, his start of a season was delayed. He wasn't necessarily starting all the time at first. Um, I would just like to see him see what he can do with some consistent at bats. Like, you know, maybe if he gets that for the first time in his major league career, maybe we do start to see the potential that the Brewers supposedly see in him. Yeah. And Urias, you know, he's, your, your high average big hit tool kind of guy, you know, he doesn't really have the power for, for third base either. And that's really just kind of been um, the big thing. You know, I've, 
I, I think council has been saying that, you know, defensively, you know, the, the issue it isn't really there with Urias, you know, he, he'd be fine there defensively, but you know, offensively, yeah, he doesn't have the power to play there. Orlando Arcee doesn't really have the power to play at third base consistently. Um, so it, it's just kind of a matter of, of finding that spot, uh, finding a spot for both of them. And yeah, the, they both kind of play the shorts up as their best position. And, you know, at third base, you got Travis Shaw, who, you know, maybe an everyday guy, maybe, maybe a platoon guy. We'll see. But you know, they've got a bunch of options there on the left side, but nothing is really kind of set in stone as opposed to the right side of the infield where you got Colton Wong at second and Kesson here at first. Yeah, I, I really hope Travis Shaw has a great year. He's really cool, dude. Uh, I've gotten to talk to him a few times over the years and and a lot of there's a lot of people who are going to pull for him. And and I don't I don't particularly he's not going to recreate what he did in 2017, 2018. But if he's even, you know, a relative approximation of that or what he you know, even what he did last year, 2020, if that extrapolates, I mean, that's you could do worse. And that's that's the thing. It's why these Picota rankings love the Brewers so much is because they don't have a lot of black holes in that lineup. And third base is, is maybe that weak spot. But like like I said, if Travis Shaw is average, he is that's that's probably the worst spot in their lineup and you could do way 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 worse than that so um so he doesn't need to be a special player for this team to be good if if he even makes the team if he gets the job who knows but uh they don't have to be special at third base for their lineup assuming that you know the guys who really really struggled last year play a little bit better they don't they don't have to get an all-star out of that spot so um so Travis Shaw is as good a shot as anybody at this point yeah, and I think we mentioned that in the podcast last week. Just kind of of the free agent options left after Justin Turner signed, Travis Shaw probably had the highest ceiling of any of them. You know, probably a better option than, you know, Jed Jerko's, who still I could have seen them going with, but, you know, probably a better option than Jerko, probably higher ceiling than Jerko, probably better than, than Michael Franco, higher ceiling than Jake Lamb. Um, so he was really probably the best option of the group. Um, so. Yeah, re- really excited to see what Travis Shaw can do um, back for his second term as the mayor of Ding Dong City. <laughs> so helps that he uh, switch from the left side too. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. the edge he has on Jerko. He's just oh, it's just yeah. better to be a lefty at Miller Park. It's one of the reasons Colton Wong is such an attractive option at second base. Yeah, as well as his Gold Glove defense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so not, that, that's number that one. Helps. But the left lefty bat definitely helps too. Yeah, especially when he's replacing one of the worst defenders at second base. <laughs> Oh, I'm guessing here. This wasn't meant to be. No. Yeah. yeah. If Shaw so, puts up uh, better than what the combination of what we got at third base last year, um, outside of Jed Jerko, except he ended up moving to first base anyway, um, I'll take it. You know, that's yeah. the, the Sogard, Holt, Jerko before he heated up, Urias, Urias. in his slump. Like, it, third base was rough. All he has to do is be better than that, and I'll be happy. Yep. And pretty soon, we'll finally have actual baseball to be happy about. So I think that's a good spot to uh, wrap it up for this week. Uh, JR, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast, Mm -hmm. man. It was a blast. 
Yeah, and uh, if you want to find any of my writing, you can look at jsonline.com, host the uh, Brewers and Bucks podcast, our Journal Sentinel Brewers and Bucks podcast each week uh, with Tom Hodricourt or Todd Rosiak for the Brewers and uh, Jim Ozarski for the for the Bucks fans out there. That one as well. But uh, but jsonline.com, we've got all kinds of stuff. Obviously, a lot of position-by-position stuff going on right now, and uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be a, a big-time coverage fest as we get closer to uh, to opening day, uh, our first opening day in a couple years, really. So, uh, yeah. so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Shameless plug. Had to give you the opportunity for that. You betcha. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And be sure to follow us also at Cobra underscore pod on Twitter and at reviewing the brew and follow Matt personally at MKE Matt 13 or follow me. I actually do both uh, at DGasper 24. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining us uh, this week on uh, the cold brew podcast, new episodes every Thursday morning. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow. So for JR, for Matt Carroll, I'm Dave Gasper. Join us next week on the Cold Brew Podcast.